Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Magnolia Birth Stories, Episode 2. I am Emily Bettenker. I am a birth doula, and I am passionate about helping mamas get their best possible birth. So often, I hear moms say that they wish they had known X about labor, they wish they had been more prepared for Y, or they wish they knew how common Z was. And one of the best ways to help mamas from the start is by helping them get educated and helping them understand what real birth is like. So that's what we are going to be doing here on Magnolia Birth Stories. I'm so grateful for our guest today, Miss Emily Arrington. Hopefully that is easy for you to remember, Emily and Emily. Um, Emily and I are actually backup doulas for each other. So that makes it easy for our clients to remember too. I'm so grateful that she's here to share both of her birth stories with all of you today. So hey, Emily. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. So you have two babies. Can you tell me about them? Yes. So I have two girls. Um, My oldest is seven now, which feels really crazy. We don't feel old enough to have a seven-year-old, but we do. And um, our youngest is three. So they're about four years apart. They're total opposites. They're very loud, which is weird for us because neither one of us are very loud people. (laughs) Um, They're just full of energy and they're fun and we love having girls. It's a blast. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, So let's start with your oldest. Do you remember the day you found out that you were pregnant with her? Um, I do. So it was, we had been trying for, we've been married like a little over a year, year and a half almost. And um, we were college sweethearts and got married as soon as he graduated college. I graduated six months later um, about nine months after that is when we started trying to have a baby. And, um, I, I'd been on the birth control for our whole marriage. And so I knew like it might take a while to get that out of my system and get pregnant. And, but of course, like the first couple of times you don't get pregnant, you're like, Oh man, this may never happen for us. And surely that's the case for a lot of people. But thankfully for us after three months, that was not the case for us. We, had just spent Christmas in Houston with my husband's family. And on the way back, I was like, I am so tired. And it's about a nine hour drive from their house back here. And Mm -hmm. I slept the whole nine hours. (laughs) And my husband was like, what is wrong with you? Like he had just driven this whole road trip by himself. I'm passed out the whole time. And I was like, I don't know. So we had rushed back to Lubbock because there was this huge snowstorm approaching. And so he was like trying to run to the store and get bread and stuff. And I stayed home and took a pregnancy test. He had no clue. And of course it popped a positive immediately. Um, And so I was super excited. And then when I showed him, he was like, okay. Like he was so tired. He had no clue what was even happening, but it set in later and he was excited then. I love that. Right after Christmas. How sweet. Yes. And then we were stuck in the house for days after that, just in the snow. (laughs) Which at that point was probably good if you were so tired. Yes, I was so tired. I don't even remember what we did. I guess we just hung out because it was just the two of us. So Uh you don't have kids. I don't know what you do in the snow. We just kind of hung out and (laughs) waited around. I couldn't go to the doctor. I couldn't call the doctor. Everything was closed. So it was just kind of like a waiting game at that point. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so funny to think about how we forget what it's what we did before we had kids. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So you stayed home for a couple of days. And then what were the first couple of steps you took after that, after finding out? Oh man. Well, I called my OB um, as soon as like they were open again, because they were not open for, it was, it was a lot of snow. It was like, I think 14 inches or something crazy, which I mean, yes, it does snow here, but we're not really prepared for that much snow ever. So, and it was cold, so it didn't melt right away. And so as soon as they opened back up, I called them and of course they got me in. Um, my parents came later that week. So we told them pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, my, they 
had brought my best friend with them. So I got to tell her in person, which was really fun. Um, Cause at the time she was living in Nashville. So we never hardly got to see each other in person. Um, so I got to tell her and my little sister and then with my husband's parents, we like sent them a little package and told them like, oh, it, it, this was your Christmas gift, but it wasn't here in time and had a little passy in it. And so they were super excited. Um, and we just got to tell our friends and family, which was really fun. And we did tell people really early the first time. Um, but thankfully, it worked out for us. Um, I probably wouldn't ever tell anybody that early ever again. But um we did that time and it was fine and it was exciting and first grandchild on both sides of our family. So that was a big deal. Um, all kinds of exciting things. <laughs> I love that. So everyone was just thrilled. Yes. So excited, which I mean, we always are when there's a new baby, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. So sweet. Uh, okay. So then how did your pregnancy go? Really smooth. Um, I was sick for sure. The first, I want to say 15 or so weeks, I was pretty sick. Um, really nauseous. Didn't need anything. The typical pregnancy symptoms, um, but nothing crazy. So it just like rocked right along. I never really worried about a whole lot. Honestly, I was never scared of giving birth. People were like, aren't you terrified? And I'm like, nope, not really. <laughs> but I didn't really have any basis of like, to not be terrified on because I was not very educated at birth, about birth at all at that point. Um, other than what I watched on like 16 and pregnant and teen mom, like I really just was not educated at all. <laughs> um, which is funny now. I mean, seven years later, things have drastically changed, obviously. Um, my whole career is centered, centered around birth now. So looking back just seven years ago, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I would do things way differently from the beginning. But I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. You don't know what you don't know. So how fun. Yep. Um, so then did you get any outside education at all through your pregnancy or hire a doula or anything like that? So at the time, um, I had gone to my OB and of course they're like, the hospital has these classes. So we did those birth classes and I don't remember a ton from them. I don't feel like really. Um, the breathing techniques, I kind of remember, but those were not helpful for me at all. Um, I remember thinking there is no way I'm getting an epidural. I do not want that needle in my back. And that was like the only reason I didn't want one. There wasn't like any factual based information about epidurals. It was just like, I don't want that needle to touch me type of scenario. So, um, but as you'll hear, things change very quickly. <laughs> um, so I remember that part, but then other than that, I was like, my husband needs to go to this class because he is, he's an only child. He, he's a boy, obviously. And so birth to him was totally new. Like he had no basis for anything. So I was like, he needs to go to these classes. So we did those classes. Um, again, I don't know that they weren't helpful, but they weren't like super enlightening or anything for me personally. Um, and that was really it. I didn't read any books. I didn't search anything out. Um, I did have a doula. She, it was her. So the hospital at the time that we were at was um, hiring doulas for people. And so we just kind of got the look of the draw. You got whoever it was. I got this really sweet girl um, that didn't know exactly what to do when it came to hard situations, which okay. having done it now, um, I can see if you're not like a, don't have a personality where you can just step in and take charge when you need to, it would be really hard and intimidating the very first time you have to do it and your client is freaking out. Right. Cause I was, I freaked out on her. I totally did. Um, but she was so sweet and encouraging. And I think she did have a lot of the head knowledge, but like, as far as like when it came down to my actual labor, I could have used some more help. <laughs> Okay. Was it her first, were you her first delivery? Her first delivery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I look okay. back at my first delivery and I think I've grown a lot in that two years from my first mm -hmm. delivery to now. Um, so obviously she grew after that and I'm sure did great, but I, 
yeah, being somebody's first is a risk you take, I guess. And thank you to the first few of mine that took the risk. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you just, you learn so much as a doula and grow so much as you do more hands-on experience and not just book experience. Yes, definitely. Um, Okay. So that was super helpful. So then as your due date was approaching, what was happening? So a lot of things emotionally. I was actually nannying at the time. Um, So I had graduated from tech and um, had a degree. I still haven't really ever like gotten a job in my field necessarily. Um, But the Lord changes your heart for things as you know, as you grow. But um, so I was actually nannying at the time. I had quit my office job previous to that and found a family that needed a nanny. And I had done that before through college. And so I took them up on it. They lived in our neighborhood. It made it super easy for me. It was so fun. Um, So about two weeks before I was going, or I was supposed to deliver, right? (laughs) Before my due date, I um, stepped away from that. And the baby was old enough at this point to like go to daycare and do all the things. So um, they did that with him. And so I felt like, okay, I can step away. He'll be fine. Um, I just loved them so much. It was hard to step away. but knowing I needed to do that for my own mental health before I had a baby and like kind of get in a good headspace for my own kids um, was probably good. But at the same time, you go from working every day to being home alone, pregnant every day. <laughs> After about a week, I had nothing else to do. So um, I would say the last like week and a half, two weeks of my pregnancy were really hard. I, Looking back now, I think I was probably already like hitting some not postpartum, but depression. And I think that carried over afterwards. Um, Of course, everybody around me was very excited. So it was daily texts and phone calls from extended family that you haven't heard from in, I don't know, months. And all of a sudden, they want to know if you've had a baby yet. And all you can think is, no, I haven't had a baby. If I had had a baby, I would tell you. (laughs) Just things like that. And it's so hard on a mom to just be constantly like, it feels like you're being picked at and people don't mean it that way at all, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that really wore on me a lot. And just like thinking everybody's waiting for me to have this baby and I've done all the things I can do and she's not coming out. And I, I, I mean, I had done the spicy food. I had gone on walks. I was, we did everything and it was August and it was hot and I didn't care. I was just trying to get her out and (laughs) it wasn't working at all. Um, so I feel like those last two weeks really wore on me as I know they do for a lot of moms. Um, I hear a lot of moms say like, I'm just, I'm done. I don't want to be pregnant anymore. And it's so hard to encourage sometimes through that because I've been there and it just feels like you're stuck Mm -hmm. and it's hard to get past that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you're just waiting on the baby. That's it. You're just ready to yeah. meet your baby and there's nothing else you can do. And and you feel it's a difficult for your body, you know, and so you're just waiting. And so yes. that happens a lot for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So then she finally did come at some point. And so tell me <laughs> about <did>. that. <laughs> yes. When she, she did eventually finally- come out. <laughs> Yes. What did that look like? So we decided at 40 weeks to induce at 41. Um, So at 40, of course, I'm just like doing all the things. Nothing's happening still. So at 41, we went in for an induction early in the morning. And of course, they have you call. And then they're like, don't come in yet. We're not ready for you. So you have to wait a little bit longer, which is also really hard because it's like, I thought I was going in at 6am to have my baby. And now it's not 6 a.m. I don't know, but it wasn't late. It was early in the morning. We went in and on the way to the hospital, I was like, I think I'm having some contractions, which I hadn't felt any up to that point. So I was like, oh, maybe they won't have to do anything. (laughs) Little did I know. So we get there, they do the IV thing, um, which I hate having blood drawn. I don't, I can watch everybody else be worked on. Don't work on me. Like, just don't. (laughs) So, um, I mean, and then they, like all the little things like the nurse, uh, one of my veins blew. So that was like painful and then frustrating and poor nurse. She was like, oh, I'm so sorry. So she felt terrible. Um, but they did eventually get me hooked up to the Pitocin, 
and we started Pitocin and I labored for, that was about six or six 30 in the morning that they actually started it. And then, um, I labored till about noon, till 30 that day, um, Mm -hmm. without any pain meds or anything. We used the birth ball. Um, I remember kind of like walking around the room a little bit, um, some massage type techniques to like try to help with the pain. But once that 12, 1230 hit, it was more than I could handle. I was having contractions in the front. Like you should always feel when you're having a contraction in your belly. Mm -hmm. But then after that contraction was over, everything would circulate down to my back. And so I was getting no breaks because I would have a contraction for 30, 45 seconds, maybe a minute. And then I hit it all in my back. And so the break I was supposed to be getting there was no break. It was all in the back. And then it'd go like all the way to the front. And so it was just measurable. I mean, what do you do? And so I, that's when I called it and I was like, get the epidural, just give it to me. And thankfully the anesthesiologist was like the head of the department. He was wonderful. Came in. I didn't even feel him put it in (laughs) at all. And so that part went really smoothly. And I, it was just a blessing from the Lord because I needed the pain relief so badly. And then I didn't feel another thing for days. Um, So it was great for my labor because Mm -hmm. the epidural was set. I didn't have any other issues. I was able to rest. My husband went down and got, I don't know, I think he ate Chick-fil-A or something. He got something to eat. Of course, I couldn't eat, which at that point I had so many like emotions and then the medicine and just all the things I couldn't have eaten anyways I don't think um but you know of course you can't eat or drink if you're on the epidural or on the pitocin they don't really want you doing that in the hospital anyways in case there's an emergency so had all the things flow in and go in and then about I think it was like 5 or 5 30 we started to push but I couldn't feel anything which at the time, I'm just thinking, okay, I have my epidural, so I'm just going to have to work a little bit harder to get this baby out because I can't feel where I'm pushing. And I didn't realize that's how it was going to be until we actually started pushing. And the doctor was like, mm, can you feel me like pushing right here? And I was like, no, I cannot feel anything. <laughs> um, and so they turned off the epidural. They tried to like kind of move me around to see but I couldn't feel anything at all. And so no pressure, no, like there, there's just no feeling. I don't know how else to describe it as like absolutely zero feeling. And so eventually after like an hour, hour and a half of pushing, she was like, okay, I'm going to have to do something. So they ended up using the vacuum on her sweet little head. And which at the time, again, I was thinking it's fine. Just get her out. Like no big deal. Um, but when she came out and you see the giant bruise on their head, that is pretty scary and traumatizing because you think, oh my goodness, this poor little baby has this gigantic coffee cup sized bruise on their head. And then she just screamed and screamed for hours and babies aren't really supposed to do that after they're born. I mean, they cry, but this was a whole different level of screaming and she wouldn't nurse because her head was hurting and just all of these things that now looking back, I can say like, oh, maybe that's part of the reason why our nursing didn't go as low as I wanted it to. Or maybe that's why my postpartum depression was so bad or where it started or things like that, that if you're not educated about it up front, that looking back in a few years, maybe, or maybe not, maybe you don't ever realize, but I definitely now can realize like, oh man, those are things that I would advocate against for myself because I don't want that situation to happen again if I can avoid it. Yeah. Um, so what would you do differently looking back if you could? With that one, it's hard because it's like looking back from where I'm at now. Now I've had two babies. But if I look back just from where in between my babies, I would say I probably wouldn't be induced. I would just hold out. Um, because eventually your baby will come one way or the other. <laughs> um, and I think even wondering if my dates were off sometimes, just because I hadn't really had a cycle when we got pregnant. I'd been off the birth control for several months, but I hadn't really had a cycle. So my there's a good chance my dates were off with her. 
um, a little bit. Um, I would advocate against an epidural for sure. Um, and Pitocin to start. Pitocin is just, it's so hard to work through those contractions. And I've seen moms do it now and I've helped moms through that, but it, they're very hard. They're very intense. And if your mind isn't in a good space, then you're not going to be able to do it. And I don't think my mind was in a good space or prepared to handle it. Um, now that my mind is more prepared, I think maybe I could handle them. Maybe I say that. <laughs> Please, yes. Lord, don't make me have to do it to prove myself. <laughs> but, you know, you look back and you're like, okay, I think now that I know what I know, I could maybe work through it. But I just didn't have the tools to work through it, even if I had tried to work through it longer. Because um, right. I, I lost my control with those Pitocin contractions. I couldn't get my breathing. I was emotionally drained. Um, and instead of sitting there and trying to breathe through one at a time, like I teach people, I was mm -hmm. just panicking. And if you panic, it's very hard to come back down from that um, or to get somebody to come back down from the panic. So no wonder my poor doula had a hard time is I was panicking and I was losing it on her because I was just like, I don't know what to do. Um, so no wonder she had a hard time. But um, so those like not doing the induction, avoiding the epidural at all costs, using other pain management techniques. Um, are all things that I would try to avoid for another baby. Okay. Yeah. I think it's interesting because that's what my mom said on uh, last week's episode as well, which was, you know, 30 years ago. And she said the same thing that Pitocin contractions are so much stronger and more intense than regular contractions where you don't get that break in between with regular contractions. You have a contraction for a minute and then you get a good break where you feel okay in between before getting another one. And with Pitocin, it's that same kind of feeling just non-stop. So um, that's interesting that she said the same thing as you are this week, you know, 30 years difference. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's true. I mean, you just don't get a break with the Pitocin. And whereas in natural labor, in between contractions, I have moms telling me all kinds of stories and talking mm -hmm. to me and laughing and having a good time. Um, there was no laughing and having a good time in between Pitocin contractions. <laughs> Yeah, so different. Okay, so you um, mentioned a little bit about your postpartum. Can you tell me a little more about your postpartum recovery period? Yeah, so um, we have the baby. Of course, you have to stay down in, or in um, delivery for a little bit, and then they wheel you off, and you go to postpartum. And I just remember being so tired at the beginning and wanting the nurse to just like stop talking to me because they have to ask you all these questions. And it was just so hard for me to even handle that. I was like, just, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to sleep. And so once we got some rest and things, I was about to say it got better, but it really didn't because <laughs> I, so I still couldn't feel anything that night and the next morning, like I started to feel things, but my legs still felt very heavy and, um, they want to get that catheter out. And so they got me up to go to the bathroom and I started just passing out on them. Um, at one point the nurse came in and she got me into the bathroom. But once we got in there, I think I passed out three or four times on her. And when I finally did come to, they had wheeled my bed in front of the bathroom door. And there was like I think almost every nurse on the floor was in there and I just, my blood pressure was just not coming back from having it been so low, I guess, just from the epidural. Um, cause they can lower your blood pressure. And so I guess I was just having a hard time, like getting it back to normal and being out of a bed, um, after being in a bed for a whole day. And so it took them a long time to like figure out how to get me back to normal. Um, but once they finally did, I was able to get up, of course, and do things. I just felt very weak. And so I think that kind of started the hard part of <laughs> um, postpartum. And then coming home, of course, new baby. You've never had a baby before. Um, I told somebody the other day, I didn't touch my stomach for like weeks. I'd get in the shower and just like 
run soapy water over it because I just couldn't handle even the feeling of that. It felt very foreign to me. And so dealing with that and just people wanting to come see the baby and feeling like I needed to host people and, um, but then feeling really lonely when nobody was there, like, it's just a very hard balance. Um, and then we had a major death in my family. It was the first like big death in my family and about six weeks, it was almost six weeks to the day um, that I had my oldest. And so I think that added on to what I was already feeling. And that's when like my postpartum depression really kind of took a toll on me, I think. And not even wanting to call it that because um, they have you fill out a little questionnaire at the doctor when you go for your visit. And of course I lied on it because I didn't want there to be something wrong with me. I didn't want to be on medicine. I didn't want them to look at me and be like, oh, you poor thing. But looking back, like that was the worst thing I could have done for myself was to lie on the questionnaire. And I mean, I never wanted to harm myself or my baby, but it was just, I was down all the time, just totally down. And so two years later, when I did get on medicine or a year and a half later ish, my whole world changed. Like I felt so much better and I could tell such a big difference. And so that's something I really advocate for, for moms, um, to really just like be honest with their doctor or like, you don't have to be honest with me. You don't have to tell me, but be honest with your doctor or whoever that's taking care of you. Um, because it is so important, like going forward. So you can be there for your baby and take care of them, etc. So were you suffering and having a hard time for that whole year and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I And again, looking back, I feel like some of it was just like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm just tired or I'm just this or I'm just that. But it was postpartum depression. And I think it even started before I even had her, just being alone so much those last few weeks of pregnancy and just dealing with like family stresses. Um, right. but I think a lot of people deal with like, again, just the excitement of having a baby, um, and people wanting to know things, but it really took a toll on me. It was not good for my mental health at all. Um, and I, at the time had a really hard time standing up for myself and just telling people like, please leave me alone. Like there's a nice way to tell people to leave you alone. There really is. But it was very hard for me at the time. Now I'm a much different person, I feel like, and I can stand up for myself. But not knowing how to do that then was really hard. And I think it was just like one little thing after one little thing and then kind of a traumatic birth because I had planned on having a totally natural birth. And then to have all the interventions is not, that's kind of traumatic. I mean, that's not what you planned for. And it's hard. It's hard to switch your mind over. And I think it just all kind of went downhill from there. And even my husband, he didn't know and he didn't know what to watch for. I mean, first time dad, we were not very old. We were 24-ish and we were young. I mean, you just don't know. Right. Um, well, two things. First of all, I am so sorry. I mean, I feel like it was definitely one thing after another for you. And that sounds really hard after you were so excited in the beginning. And then to have such a hard experience that really lasted a long time. I am really sorry that that was your first experience. Um, that kind of breaks my heart for you because I, I want, you know, I, adore you. And I wish that you had had a great experience for your first one. So I am sorry about that. Um, and the second thing, you know, you were talking about birth planning. And one thing that I think is important, you know, people think that when you are getting your birth plan and setting it, that if you make a birth plan, that's like you're setting it in stone. This is what you're imagining. And then if it changes, then you're just where you can get the education and the preparation for lots of different scenarios. And so you have, okay, these are my preferences. This is what I'm hoping for. Um, but then you also know, okay, these are some other things that might come up and then you can prepare for those too. And so I think when people hear birth planning, that worries them sometimes like that it's going to be set in stone, but it, that's not the way it has to be. It's really just preparing for lots of different scenarios, which I feel like possibly could have helped you too, you know? 
Right. Yeah, I think so. So I don't know how you go about it specifically, but when I am doing a birth plan with families, especially families that um, maybe they're higher risk for something or um, maybe mom's on bed rest already and we're only 25 weeks or something crazy, you know, um, I try to help them come up with two plans, like our plan A and our plan B. And sometimes it goes to plan C and that's okay too. Um, but we know that we're being flexible. And I talk about in my birth planning meetings, like, Hey, you know, this is our plan, but if something happens, we're going to pivot off of this and we're going to try to keep as much of this as close to what you want as we can. Mm -hmm. And if it does a 180, that's okay. We'll work through it one thing at a time, but, um, we do have something to go off of and we know kind of where our starting point is. Um, I've had moms that, you know, want a home birth and end up with a C-section. And sometimes we just can't control all of our things like the blood pressure or positioning a baby sometimes doesn't want to do, they don't want to change their position no matter what we do. And um, there's things that are out of our control. And usually they're out of our control for a reason. Like the Lord is protecting that mom or that baby from something else that we can't see or we don't know about. And so later we're like, oh, that happened because of this. And we're glad it happened that way now. Um, And sure, there's still things to like grieve over sometimes. Like, you know, you didn't get whatever it was that you wanted so badly. Um, And I still think there's, you need to be able to grieve that as a mom. Um, And as a dad, sometimes too, sometimes dads don't get what their plan A was. And that's hard too. And so um, I just think having more than one plan is great. Or just at least knowing that your birth plan is flexible. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. It's extra preparation, not less preparation is usually helpful. Um, Okay, so is there anything else you want to add about this birth? Are you ready to go on to birth number two? Um, I feel like I might have traumatized some people, so please know I even as traumatizing as it was for me and as hard as it was, it was still like perfectly wonderful because now I'm able to help other moms from that experience. I have personally felt Pitocin contractions. I know what they're like, so I can talk a mom through them now. And mm-hmm. so things like that. So I would say like if your birth isn't going the way you want. Just think like hopefully somehow, whether it's just like talking to a friend or somebody, I don't know, however it's going to look for somebody else, like hopefully that experience will help you help someone else. Right. That's really helpful. Um, Okay. So baby number two, do you remember the day you found out you were pregnant with her? Yeah. Yes. So her story is kind of special. I mean, they're both special in their own way, but this one was a little bit more, not more. I don't want to say more special. They'll listen to this one day and be like, mom. Um, but it was just different. So with our second, she's actually our third. Um, so we lost a baby in between the two girls. Um, and my oldest still refers to that baby as her sister. And she still talks about her. And sometimes people look at us like we're crazy because she'll be like, no, I have two sisters and (laughs) some people just don't know that part of our story and that's okay. I don't, it doesn't bother me, but it takes people off guard for sure. So, um, but it's sweet for me and for my heart to know that she remembers, even though she was very young when we lost that baby, she was two and a half. And so for her to remember that is kind of wild. Um, but she does and she talks about her. So, Um, That was actually our second baby was that miscarriage. And then um, it took us a whole year from finding out I was pregnant with our second to finding out I was pregnant with our third, Um, which was also hard in its own way because people would come up to me and be like, people knew that we had had a miscarriage and we had some just fabulous, fabulous friends that were so sweet and kind to us um, and really helped carry us through that. Um, And there's also people meaning well, but they'd come up and they would say, you'll get pregnant right away. You know, you'll have a baby in, you know, less than a year, yada, yada. Um, But it doesn't happen that way for everybody. And it took us a whole year to get pregnant again. Um, 
and actually when we ended up getting pregnant, we had kind of stopped trying. Um, we, she was a one-time baby <laughs> and that was it. And she, I, it was almost a year exactly from pregnancy test to pregnancy test. And so, um, when I found out I was pregnant with her, I was not only shocked, um, but terrified and excited all at the same time. Um, just because of, of course, there's that fear like, well, this could happen again. Um, and when it's so easy to get pregnant the first time, relatively, um, a couple months of trying with your first to having to try for a whole year to have another, well, really more than a year to have another viable pregnancy, um, it's a really long time. And so there's lots of fear and doubt that creeps in with that. And so finding out that we were pregnant again was like, well, now I don't want to tell anybody because of this last experience that we've had. <laughs> and so uh, that was hard, but also very exciting. We were very excited, of course. And so I kept it pretty much to ourselves for a while. We told a few people closest to us, um, but we waited a lot longer this time um, because of that second experience. And so, but it was kind of like a sweet time too. It was kind of like only a few people know, only we know. And we kind of just got to keep it to ourselves, which was also really sweet. Um, And so, yes. And I kind of recommend that. Like having it in your own bubble is just, it's so nice. You don't have to deal with any outside opinions or (laughs) thoughts or um horror stories from your grandma like I don't know what it is for you but like sometimes people well-meaning tell you the worst stories even I will catch myself sometimes being like "Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have told that mom that story yet like you know just things that you think um you're and we're all well-meaning like we're just trying to help but sometimes you don't realize in the moment like what you're saying to somebody and then you're like oh wait Kind of backtrack, please. <laughs> um, so it was nice kind of just being in our own space for just a little bit. Um, and I don't really remember telling a lot of people that time, honestly. Like, I just think we would kind of tell people as it was pretty organic. It wasn't like a big announcement or anything like that. Um, I was terrified that she was a boy. I now I can confidently say now if I were to have a boy now, I would be okay. If she had been a boy, I I know I would have had a meltdown because I was having a meltdown in my OB's office when I found out she was a girl. <laughs> um, I had gone in for just like a regular appointment. I think I was like 15 weeks or something. And they weren't going to do an ultrasound that day. That was not the plan. But I just started bawling. And she was like, oh, my goodness. Like, are you okay? What is wrong? And she was like, are you worried about losing this baby? Because I had the same OB for all three of my pregnancies. And so um, she, of course, was very in the know about everything. And they were like, are you okay? And I was like, I just don't want it to be a boy. (laughs) And so they were like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be fine. But I was just like, I'm inconsolable. They could not calm me down. So they're like, we're just going to get you an ultrasound and we'll figure, we'll see if we can tell. It might be too early, yada, yada. So they called up the um, ultrasound tech and she came up there and she was like, I'm pretty sure it's a girl. And I mean, I was just so relieved because what was I going to do with a boy? I had no no idea. <laughs> but um, so I was very excited it was a girl. I have a sister. My mom is one of three. My dad has a sister. Boys are just very foreign to us in our family. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> um, I had two boy cousins, one on each side growing up. But other than that, like, there just wasn't a lot of boys. And so that was going to be very different for me. And my husband, of course, was like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'm a boy. That'll be easy. But I was like, no, no. Like, I need another girl. <laughs> so that um, that was exciting for me. I was glad to have another girl. Good. That is so funny. I uh, am over here with four little boys in my house. Yeah. Uh, I say little. One of them is a teenager. But uh, lots of lots of testosterone over here at my house. So, but boys. Yes, love we're very much fun. opposites at our houses. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure um, lots of different activities, lots of different playtime activities going on too. Yes, I'm sure. 
Okay, so you found out she was a girl, thank goodness. And then how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Yeah, so with her, I was sick again, um, longer this time. It was like 18 to 20 weeks this time, so almost half my pregnancy. Um, I was really nauseous, couldn't hardly eat anything. Um, And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) So I found out I was pregnant with her in October of 19. And so I had a good like six-ish months of my pregnancy um, were quote unquote normal. And then um, of course in March, we all know COVID hit. And that was super scary for Mm -hmm. me because I was still pretty uneducated about birth and labor and just all kinds of things that I am educated about now that I was not at the time. And so going into that, when the lockdown happened, I was one of those people that I I locked it down. We were home and that was it. We were done. And we, uh, so now I have a three-year-old, she was three. Um, And so she and I stayed home. I was teaching preschool. And so we stayed home from preschool together. We did preschool homeschool. Honestly, I loved the first three to six months of the pandemic. It was great for our family. (laughs) And I know a lot of people don't feel that way and that's okay. But for us at the time being pregnant, it was so easy for me to just like stay home and rest and be with my baby and hang out. And we got to do crafts and color with sidewalk chalk. And like, we just got all this one-on-one time together that a lot of people don't get with their kids. And we got it all the time. And my husband was working two jobs at the time. So he would work from home for his normal eight to five. And then three nights a week, he would go out and um, he was actually delivering pizza. And so he would go do that three nights a week, which was great for him because he hated being at home all the time. (laughs) I loved it. It was great for me, but he liked to go out and be with people. So they were considered essential because it was food. And so he got to go still do that, which was good for our family. And um, honestly, like, I liked, I liked that part of being locked down. Like it was just us and again, in our bubble and nobody wanted to come over. Nobody wanted to bother us because everyone was terrified of germs. And so it, it kind of worked in our favor. And my family has always made fun of me because even in my senior skit video, this is kind of a little rabbit trail. They, um, the girl that played me is my best friend and um, she walked around behind people with a Clorox wipe and cleaned things <laughs> because that's what I was known for. I was a clean freak and I did not like germs. And so like being locked down in my space was safe for me because I was a germaphobe and I've grown out of a lot of that. Thank goodness in the last three years. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. We just kind of had our own little getaway at our house and um, again, just got to spend that one-on-one time with our big girl. And it was, yeah. that part was really good. But the scary part was not knowing how my delivery was going to go. Like, cause you hear horror stories of people's husbands not being able to be there or, you know, just not having great care because there's not enough staff or things like that. So that was really scary. Just not knowing what we were going to walk into when it was time to have a baby. Um, and so I, we kind of went through the rest of our pregnancy and I'm thinking I'm going to go to 40 weeks again because I did it the last time. And so we scheduled an induction for 39 weeks and I wasn't super pumped about having an induction again, but because of all the unknowns of COVID and just all those unknowns, I didn't want to risk anything else. So I was like, I'll just get induced again. I'll get an epidural right away and I won't worry about it. Um, so that was kind of my plan. Um, it was a terrible plan. (laughs) And the closer it got to my due date, the more I was like, I probably don't really want any of that, but I'm just going to do it, I guess, and get it over with and it'll be okay. Well, at 38 weeks and five days, my water broke. (laughs) And it was one of those movie moments where it was not mistakable for anything else. It was for sure my water Uh breaking. It was a huge gush, very dramatic and you know that's what it is there some people be like I think my water broke or maybe I'm just peeing I don't really know um and that for sure can happen like that but no mistaking it it was my water 100% 
So when my water broke, I went into my husband and he was working from home and he was on a, on a call and I was like, Hey, my water just broke. And he just kind of was like, okay, whatever. And so I went back to the room and I'm like packing the bags and stuff. And I came back out a few minutes later and I was like, Hey, like we need to go. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, my water broke. And he was like, I thought you were joking. And I was like, no, my water broke. We need to go. (laughs) And so my sister came. My sister was living here then. She, so when I had my first baby, she was still in high school. Um, well, she had just started college. And then, um, when I had my second baby, she was living here. So she came over to stay with my oldest and, we went pretty much straight to the hospital after that. Um, I was having like tiny contractions, but nothing that was hurting me or I was in any pain or anything. And that's something I would change. Um, if my water was to ever break again, I wouldn't rush off to the hospital. I'd probably hang out at home, do some contractions there, you know, try to labor at home as long as I could. Um, but we went straight to the hospital. Of course, they checked and they're like, oh, yes, your water's broken. Um, they put me in a room and a lot of my fears were diminished at that point with the whole COVID thing. Like our nurse was really great. She was sweet. She didn't seem like she was scared. I was just so worried about somebody being afraid of us bringing in a germ or, you know, not wanting my husband there. That was scary, but they were all just so sweet and kind. And I think just the Lord's hand was on who was in our room for sure. Um, and what nurses we got, but, um, that was something that had worried us, but we didn't have to worry about it once we got there, which is great. Um, so then we got in a room. They do all the things they do. They check. My doctor actually came in and was like, oh, it'll be a while. I'll probably see you early in the morning. And I was like, okay, great. My water had broken at 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, we got to the hospital at like, I want to say around 5 maybe. And then um, – I did ask for an epidural pretty quickly, not because I was feeling anything, but because I didn't want to feel what I felt before. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, go ahead and just, just do it. And so they brought in the epidural, the anesthesiologist came in and I, it was the worst placement of an epidural I've seen <laughs> even now. Um, after watching lots of my moms have chosen to get an epidural at some point or another, and it just took so long for them to place it. Um, they make you, if you've never had one, they make you hunch over. And evidently I'm not a very good huncher like that, the way they want you to be. And so after like 15 or 20 minutes of him trying to place it, I felt very lightheaded. I started seeing like stars. I was like, Hey, I, I need to like sit up or something. Cause I get a pass out. And so they opened the fluids up and he didn't want me to move, which was also very traumatic. He was like, nope, don't move. I almost got it. And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm going to pass out. (laughs) And um, thankfully, the nurse, I guess, got the fluids going enough to help me come back because I never ended up passing out. But I was very close to passing out. Um, My vision had started to go. My ears were ringing, like all the things. Um, But they did get it placed. And eventually, but it was like a 30 or 40 minute ordeal where it shouldn't really take that long to place one. (laughs) So, um, especially when they're poking you most of that time, like it was, it was kind of rough. So after that, I was like, well, I don't ever want one of those again. (laughs) So, um, that, I felt like that was probably a turning point for me where it was like, okay, there's gotta be a better way to do this than what I'm experiencing right now. But I still was pregnant. So I had to get the baby out. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, everybody leaves, everything calms down. I'm not really feeling anything. We turn on the TV, we're hanging out. My husband had gone to get something to eat. I think we FaceTimed my mom. Like, I don't know. We were just hanging out at this point. And um a few minutes later, like my demeanor kind of changed. I just remember being like, the TV's very distracting. Can you like turn that off until we turn the TV off? And I was like, maybe just turn the lights off, like turn some music on. And we've been doing that for just like a few minutes. And then I was like, um, I think something's happening. I just remember feeling like lots of pressure all of a sudden. And it wasn't painful, but it was a lot of pressure. And the nurse had told me like, if you feel anything, you just call me and let me know. And I was like, okay. And honestly, I was thinking, I'm not going to feel anything, lady. Like I didn't feel anything the last time. It took me forever. Like I, <laughs> I thought I was just going to sit there 
And eventually they'd tell me when I was going to have a baby. And so I just remember like every, like, I can't really describe it other than like my whole demeanor was different. Like things were distracting me and I didn't like it, but I couldn't sleep. And so I was like, I think you should call the nurse. And after a few times of me being like, there's a lot of pressure happening. I had him call the nurse in and she came in and I was like, I just think maybe you should check or something like something's going on. And she was like, okay, um, I'll, I'll look. And then she was like, oh, okay. And she's like, do you think you could push? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, just do a little bit and let's see. And so I did a quote unquote little bit, even though I couldn't really feel how much I was giving her. And she's like, oh, okay. If you cannot do that, don't do that. <laughs> So my baby was already like right there. She could see the baby. She's like, I can see her head. She has hair, which was also very exciting because my first baby was completely bald. And so my second baby had hair. They called the doctor back. And in between, I, every time, I guess I was having a contraction. I know I was having a contraction now. At the time, I wasn't really feeling the contraction. I was just feeling the pressure. And she's like, if that pressure doesn't go away, let me know. Well, the pressure was not going away. And so I started telling her like, it's it's not going away. And so she was like, I really don't want to have to catch this baby. <laughs> but I wasn't in pain. So if you're not in pain, you don't have to push necessarily because you can't feel in it really. And so my doctor did eventually get there, but it was only a couple of hours later. I mean, I had a baby by like 1030. So it was very quick after that. Um, like a seven hour labor from water breaking to having a baby versus a over 12 hour labor the first time so it was very quick and she came in doctor came in and I pushed her out in three pushes I believe so very quick tiny little thing she was seven three my first baby was eight six or eight nine I can't remember if she was eight six or eight nine one of those and um so totally opposites again they're totally different babies and kids but um yeah, it just seems so smooth the second time, um, which your body is way more prepared the second time or the third time than it was the first time. Um, so you, your body kind of knows how to do it on its own. But it just seems so smooth and so quick and easy the second yeah. time, which honestly, I kind of feel like I deserved it. <laughs> yes, I feel like you did too. And baby was just ready. She was ready to come. It, she wanted her birthday to be that day. She did not want to wait till the next yeah. day is what it sounds like. So yes. sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, around her birthday, we have uh, our anniversaries two days before. We've got other family birthdays that week. And I wanted her to have her own day. And she did. She has her own day. I love that. That's awesome. So then what would you say was your favorite part of the day? Ooh, for her. Um, honestly, my water breaking is probably up there on like one of the top one or two because I really wanted to experience that the first time and I didn't get it. Like they broke it for me. And so the second time, I don't really feel like I put much thought into that. But when it happened, I was so excited because it happened just like it does in the movies, which is what you always think it's going to happen like. Um, so I feel like that was up there next to like, of course, actually having the baby and getting to meet her and, um, her just being tiny and cute and having hair. When she came out with hair, I was like, oh my word. And it's so <laughs> funny because we look back at pictures and she didn't really have that much hair compared to all these other babies that I see now. <laughs> but for our family, she had a head full of hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had a lot more than your first. So that was a big deal. Yes, a lot more than the first. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so looking back, how do you feel about your whole experience today? Oh, well, I, I'm glad I know what I know now. Um, because looking back, I think these are the experiences that helped me kind of decide a career path, for one. Um, show me things that I wasn't educated about that I can help other moms be educated about. Um, I did not feel good about my first birth at all for a long time. Um, and not necessarily that I feel great about it now. Like, oh, it went so well. Like everyone was safe and healthy and that's sometimes the best you can do and ask for, but it wasn't a great emotional experience for me at all. 
Um, my second one was a much more solid emotional experience, but I was also in a much better headspace and like the circumstances around it were much better. I feel like even though it was in the middle of a pandemic and, um, crazy things were happening all around us, but like the birth was peaceful. And so I think all of those things combined are what helps me be able to help moms now. Good. I love it. Um, so then how did your postpartum period go after this baby compared to your first? Totally different. So great. Good. Um, Good. I actually stayed on my medicine, which I highly recommend. Um, I stayed on my me- medicine through my second or third pregnancy. And um, I think that helped quite a bit. Um, what also helped is my toddler at the time was a great toddler (laughs) she was so easy and she was not mischievous really and a good helper and so that helps when you have a good toddler or a good first baby um helps the transition of course um but I think it was just night and day different because my headspace was so different going into these things um I had a more flexible mindset the second time because I knew how quickly things could turn Um, and I was just more prepared in that aspect, not necessarily for the actual birthing part and those decisions, but, um, for the emotional side of it, I was more prepared. And I think that did help, um, coming out of that. And so things went really smooth. Um, she nursed much better than my first, um, we got a lot more bonding time. Um, I kept her very, very close to me those first couple of months, um, And I didn't pass her around to a lot of people. Like she was just kind of my baby. And that helps so much in your postpartum period. Um, What kind of helped us through that was again, COVID like, oh, we can't pass the baby around because we don't want her to get sick. But in reality, it was for me and for my mind and for us to be able to nurse and bond and just be together without her being shuffled around from person to person. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that. Um, and that's one thing, you know, when it's not COVID time, that it's important to, you know, be firm about and, and feel confident in that this is the best thing for yourself and your baby is holding your baby and feeding your baby yourself. You know, that's what our hormones are begging us to do. So I'm so glad you got to do that your second time. Okay, so then if you had any advice for a pregnant mama, what advice would you give? Um, Stick to your guns. (laughs) If you want that natural birth, fight for that natural birth. Um, If you want something else, fight for that. Um, Don't let the world or a family member or a friend scare you out of something that you know is best for you. Um, Do research hire a doula, um, all of those things I think combined and just really getting your head space in a good spot and your, all the mental things. I tell my people 80 to 90% of this is mental. You worry about the physical stuff so much. We worry about the pain. We worry about the after effects of having a baby, but we don't really think about how we're going to work through our labor or our births. And that's where doulas are so important to help moms work through those things before and during their labors. Um, So we can support you. So you don't hopefully deal with a lot of these things that I dealt with the first time. I know you dealt with other traumatic things. Um, So I think that's important to really just get your mind right and know what you want, know what you don't want, find a provider that'll give you those things. Um, and yeah, go from there. Yeah. I love that. That is such good advice for new mamas. Um, thank you, Emily, so, so much for coming on today. Is there anything else you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? I don't think so. This is so fun. I, I love that you've given moms a space to tell their stories and I hope it's helpful. Hope my story is helpful to someone in some way. 
Yes, I have no doubt that it will be. You were amazing. Thank you so much, Emily, for sharing and for being so open and honest about so many different things. Yes, you're so welcome. Anytime. If you are expecting and looking for birth education or a birth doula, um, whether that's virtual or in person, please go to magnoliabirthlbk.com to view my options or contact me directly. If you would like to be a guest on Magnolia Birth Stories like Miss Emily was today and share your birth story with us, help some other mamas, I would love to have you. So please use the link below to submit as just a short questionnaire or go to magnoliabirthlbk.com slash podcast for additional information about that. Again, I am Emily Bedenker. I am a birth doula who is passionate about helping mamas get their best possible birth. I am so grateful that you chose to listen today as my sweet friend Emily shared her birth stories with us. I can't wait to see y'all again next week. Uh, We'll have Serena joining us next week to share her birth story with us then. So I hope you have a wonderful night.